back to another episode of LA Top Potential. My name is John C. Tillis, and I work with the Super Bowl champion LA Rams or LAFBnetwork.com. And I am uh, brought to you tonight by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events uh, for the first to market li- odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline or use your mobile device today to join and make your first sports bet. Use promo code BLEAV50 to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now on to the show. I am joined, just like last time, uh, by the host of the Impotable Podcast, Nathan Flynn, to talk about the finale of Better Call Saul. Nathan, how are you? Um, you know, I, everything feels right right now. Um, it does. There is that hole that, that I think we're both feeling of like, <coughs> sorry, it's, no. it's just, it, it's now what? You know, <laughs> but I mean, there's nothing left to do but just shoot finger guns at each other and have one more cigarette in the in a room. You know, I straight up bought a pack of cigarettes after the finale. And I don't <laughs> smoke like that at all. I didn't. It's funny. I didn't realize just how many callbacks just to like the first season there would be in the finale. Like, even though it makes sense that there would be, but I was like, wow, okay, like the oh, like the first. The dumpster, the first shot of, uh, or the first time you, like Jimmy and Kim hang out, or fa- uh, so we we'll get a cigarette in the parking garage. Oh yeah, that was that was such a great overt uh, reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then just the flashback of Chuck. I'm like, oh yeah, like I forgot, like I almost forgot their dynamic. Like I remember his antagonistic. I'm like, oh okay, like Chuck was, Chuck would like try to get him to hang out, and they just like wouldn't. Well, my my first big takeaway, and mind you. I should just shout out. We did a whole Saul party. I'm not sure how you watched it, but uh, <laughs> I I hosted a little party, cleaned up my whole apartment, had some people drive from like cities away. And wow! AMC Plus. Uh, shout out to them for fucking sucking. Crashed halfway through. Wow. Okay. Less my than experience. I did it by myself after like my wife and daughter went to sleep and I was super tired, but I muscled through it anyway. And then it was already after the show had gone. So it was just in the AMC Go app that's like on like part of like part of like Dish. So like, there were a lot of yeah. ads that so didn't crash. My yeah. only complaint was like it was the same like four ads in a row. That's well, ultimately, uh, shout out to Wright Sulik, who uh, you can actually, you'll pretty soon you'll be able to listen to. Uh, from my old alma mater, it feels like uh, one of us.net. He, he's doing a review of it, but it crashed halfway through and he managed to find a friend who was TiVo recording it. Oh. So we managed to go back. No, uh, no ads, which was nice. But also those ads were nice in a group of four people to just be able to like discuss it. Right. And the biggest thing that I first took away, just even from the teaser is just the you just got to admire the architecture at all. The flashbacks mm-hmm. were perfectly paced out. Yeah. Like it, it would just sort of happen. You're like, Oh, okay. Like we're just doing this. They don't try to shoehorn anything in. Like even when um, a couple of weeks ago, when they did bring back Walt and Jesse, it didn't feel shoehorned in. When they had just Jesse and Kim, it didn't feel shoehorned in the with Walt and Je- with Walt and Saul was perfect. And Mike and Saul. Yeah. Well, they, they realized that like with a lot of these characters, you would feel cheated if 
you act like there were narrative gaps that mm-hmm. we needed to fill. So they just, they don't even make the gaps be for, they're not even for Saul even. You, you watch that and you're not like, oh, I now have a brand new perspective. It's just more viewing it through the prism of it mm-hmm. all. Um, and then the framing of it too, just about like, what would you do if you had a time machine? And the different reactions everybody had, and they were all sort of the same in that they wouldn't do anything like to help to say that, oh, I, I want to say to so-and-so I love them. It's to fix a mistake. Yeah, there's also an element of an El Camino homage opening up the episode with a flashback with Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, but but ultimately... Oh, let me... That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's freaking out because we have a little Better Call Saul group chat and we we do like, all right, two days and spoiler free. <laughs> so everybody's <laughs> like, all right, so when is this over? When can we talk about it? Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, where was I at? The uh, the structure of it was very interesting. I remember at the top of the season, they, they focus on all those different objects and Saul's gaudy monstrosity of a mansion. Mm-hmm. They went over to that book of H.G. Uh, Wells, The Time Machine. Oh, and, yeah. And, and Chuck they, had it. Sorry. Yeah, it, it ultimately was revealed to be Chuck's. And then Jimmy has it in the second episode of the season i believe just sitting on his dresser mm-hmm. so you just sort of look at it and you're like okay well i guess this is important and ultimately now watching watching the show i mean just like breaking bad and just like this show already there's just a lot to see there but mm-hmm. i feel like we should talk about what came before it just briefly because yeah. sure i mean our first hour of the show was a Vince Gilligan directed hour written by Gordon Smith, who shout out Gordon Smith. We talk a lot on Twitter. Uh, fucking one of the best, one of the best breaking, one of the best TV writers, I think just period. Yeah. Um, but that was the episode where Bob Odenkirk had his heart attack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so crazy to think about now. <laughs> it's crazy to think about now. And it's crazy that like my reaction is like, I'm shocked more people didn't get a heart attack. Cause that was just an intense hour of yeah. television. Mm-hmm. It, <laughs> like my God, like, I, hours ever. Mm-hmm. Kim showing up at Gus's house. I was like, Oh my God. Like, I cannot believe that's happening. Like, yeah, wow. Yeah. And, and just and all the, like, we knew so much of the outcome. It was just so fucking entertaining. Well, it's just, it's not even, I don't care like that. I knew like, obviously Gus and Gus and Mike aren't going to die, but like, uh, I just want to see how Gus would do it. Like I, it was one of those classic, yeah. like, okay, how are they going to pull this off? And uh, oh shit. They like, they landed the plane and then some. And to see Jim Carlo get a moment to, uh, shit talk. So mm-hmm. well. Just yeah, his look, moment of like calling Eladio a greasy, bloated pimp. <laughs> such a, yeah. And then the coda on then, that where he actually goes to Don Eladio's house, which, by the way, his backyard rules. Like, and Don, I just, oh, yeah, I, I, I know mean, Don, oh, no, I was going to say, gonna, I, I forgot how much fun it was to spend time with Don Eladio. Oh, he's great. Ding, 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 ding. But yeah, talking about <laughs> that episode, I mean, we, we should just say it is crazy. I I started my rewatch of Breaking Bad uh, and, and finished it between episodes oh. of Saul. 
but I, I did a smaller one where I started mm-hmm. when Saul comes into frame. Okay, so see, what was that season two, episode eight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I was like, maybe I just watch every episode with Saul and Mike, and then I look through and I'd be like, well, the ones that Saul's not in, Mike's in. And I'm like, ah, I just watch the whole fucking thing. Um, and it's so funny that that episode starts out with DJ Qualls. You're like, hey. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Is this any rest back from the, on the bus bench? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the brilliant wonder. Uh, but <laughs> fun and games, the, the episode that happens afterwards could easily be a series finale. And yeah. I mean, it is heartbreaking. I, I thought that that episode was absolutely brilliant. I love that you see, Oh no, no, no. Sorry. What I was about to say um, in my rewatch of breaking bad, sorry, just getting off a long shift at work and I, yeah, you're cool, man. Coffee. Oh you're yeah. Cool, no, I'm, I'm apologizing to the listener. I'm not apologizing to you. Chauncey. No, 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 um, no. They don't care. Eh, eh, I don't know if they care yet. No, it's just impossible to watch any scene of uh, Walton Jesse in the Super Lab <laughs> <laughs> after the outcome of uh, Point and Shoot. I know, because you're like, oh, okay, like Lalo's, there's a Salamanca beneath there, and also Howard Hamlin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of figured that Lalo would be, but Howard, fuck, what a great arc to that character, even though know, it's so knew? tragic. Right? I- and then just using using his actual Instagram photos at the at the memorial was incredible. Oh my god, yeah, that scene is incredible. But even just going through, that was an incredible, wonderful hour of television that was filled with scenes where we learned more about each character, or at least viewed mm-hmm. the character in a different light. You have the one scene that truly questions Mike's morals. I mean, they do it often in the show, but some could argue that, like, you know. The writers and us all love Mike Ehrmantraut because he seems to be the one person who is moral and to have someone like Nacho's father look at him, mm-hmm. him looking to see himself and give this man uh, solace knowing it's all for revenge and for him to look at him and just be like, you are a fucking crook. And, you know, yep. my son's dead regardless. And for what? And Mike framed with him basically in a prison. Yeah, yeah. They they did that homage to the graduate with the uh the chain fence. And then you mm-hmm. get the the brilliant scene. Um a, a scene that I was not of anything I wasn't expecting. If I had any failing of the show is that I never felt like the show gave uh Giancarlo Esposito or sorry. Um, I now have learned the proper pronunciation, Giancarlo Esposito. Mm-hmm. Um, proper, it, they haven't given him material up to snuff of like season four of Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. And seeing him with that wine smelier, Reed Diamond, I know. right? The actor, yeah, yeah, he was on the shield. Shitty if I, okay, yeah, yeah I, I remember him from the shield. I feel shitty because he follows me on Twitter. <laughs> like, really, humble brag, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, I, it's not even like a humble brag. I'll just like, I'm kidding. like Pat Healy follows me on Twitter, which we'll get into him in a little bit. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh. So yeah, anyways, so you get fun and games, that, that scene with Giancarlo where you see this man 
who ultimately we know he he gets revenge, but not in the satisfying way that he hoped. And ultimately the man that he, you know, tried to get revenge on has the final laugh mm-hmm. or the final and, ding. Yeah, and it makes sense because you're like, oh, well, now because he survived Lalo, because the whole time with uh, when he was afraid of Lalo, like he was like pacing, you know, he was frantic, not frantic, but frantic for him. Pacing, you Ooh. know, had a security watch team, and then he's like, well, I finally beat Lalo, like I'm invincible, and that's partially why he underestimated Walt at every yeah. turn. I mean, viewing it through that prism too, but even more so than that, viewing Gus as a man who had a chance at happiness had he just let go of his fucking revenge. Mm-hmm. But he's already yeah. in too deep, and he denies himself the most basic of human pleasures. He's he's in a prison that he himself built. Yep, and like every character on the show, too, except for Kim at, at the it, end. It parallels uh, Mike's... Uh, Mike's statement that Saul later echoes in it, where it's like, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to realize you haven't thought about it. <laughs> Not once. And you look... <laughs> I, somebody told me I do a good Mike Aaron try. That was a, I never that was realized a pretty good Mike. That was a pretty good Mike. Away, Walter? What's Go home, away, Walter. <laughs> Go home, Walt. You know what's funny? Tyrus says that line, but we all remember it as Mike. <laughs> I swear, doesn't he call him though when he's like when he's casing uh, Gus's house? Well, like that scene is, where he's like, he, oh, he 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 calls him when when Walt is walking up over there, and this is like a, but it's Tyrus. He doesn't call him. It's Tyrus who calls him. He just says, "Go home, Walter." But in our mind, yeah. we we hear somebody say Walter. I feel I know, like he is, anytime Mike says, you know what, Walter? It, it, he's about to throw a banger. <laughs> Just shut the fuck up uh, and we die um, in peace. <laughs> you know what, Walter? But, uh, <laughs> seeing him deny himself that happiness makes his story admittedly a tragedy despite not not really making him a good person mm-hmm. you know it's just i thought it was a brilliant scene and it then yeah. we go like 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 i hate to go on a scene by scene with this episode no. but it's an episode of very scenes um yeah and, and i find that it is as important an episode as the finale if not more so mm-hmm and you have this scene with Kim and uh, Jimmy at Howard's funeral and watching Kim do one of the ugliest things she's ever done. You know, tell mm-hmm. tell Howard's wife, you weaponize the information that she had heard before his uh, mm-hmm. untimely demise to make her a, convince her of it, but also blame herself for the rest of her life. I know. I mean, and... ultimately, I think she always will, even though we get the, the you know, resolution. Mm-hmm. There's but always going to be still... that regret of, I wouldn't even let him be there for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I was cold to him in the morning. Maybe if, like, I was around more, like, he, this wouldn't have even escalated because he wouldn't have cared. It wouldn't have been a problem. 
Yeah, I mean, ultimately, this this season has two halves, and, and then we, the this is the ending of the first half, and in a lot of ways, the ending of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then that that beautiful, heartbroken, almost abrupt breakup scene. Yeah, and and Kim's Kim's dialogue. I mean, just shout out to all, all the actors. Um, I said uh, when episode god when episode eight or when episode 12 came out i was like yeah the only performance better than ray seahorn in episode eight is ray seahorn in every subsequent episode afterwards she's uh, yeah herself but with that delivery of i mean ray we we must just like there's no show without ray seahorn no, and it's one of those who knew. Lead. Yeah, yeah, right. it's, it's a genuine discovery. And she gives one of the most brilliant, controlled, and well-rounded performances I've ever seen mm-hmm. for a character that, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't even say, I'm sure on the paper is incredible, but she plussed it somehow. Mm-hmm. And her uh, her delivery of her emphasis on certain words, the way how she uses the camera as a screen partner. I mean, because I'm just having too much fun. Her just mm-hmm. delivery of that, or but so what? Heart <laughs> heartbreaking and stuff. And just her whole thing in Florida, stuff, man. Yeah. You're just like, no, just her whole thing in Florida. You're like, man. Like you can, she's really punishing herself because this is not the Kim Wexler we know. Like she doesn't, she well, just goes along with everything. She, you know, I, even though like I, I related to so much of the office stuff, I'm like, God, that is so true. <laughs> Most of it. Um, and just like her husband, her like boyfriend sucks. Like that, I hated that guy. <laughs> I mean, we'll get to waterworks in just a second, but then you get that. Oh, sorry. Uh, Good, you're the one who runs the show. I'm just like trying to steer yeah. it in a weird way. I'm just grabbing. Yeah, it's the okay. Uh, no, I'm like Odenkirk. I'll let everybody. I'll let everybody get their points. I'm. I'm fine. Uh, I believe it was Tom Schnauz who said in an interview recently that he wanted the the move from the past to uh, pre Breaking Bad. It's still mm-hmm. past, but you know, I mean, it's all past. I mean, by the end of it, we we end the show in 2010. Which is so, so funny to think about. Right, right. Just to think, like, the the short amount of time that this show takes place. One one uh, exercise I had in figuring out the time, the amount of time before Kim and Jimmy get married to their divorce is, like, two months. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, that attracts. Her... <laughs> but uh, they, they said their influence influence was 2001 a space odyssey with the the bone coming up and that abrupt like you're thrusted into another time and it was such a great way to handle that transition because this show has always felt like a slow motion car crash yeah (laughs) and to just be on this road we know it's going bad we're steering in the car we're in breaking bad and Mm -hmm. we're looking at at a very familiar character in this the scene of him getting ready, if we watched it just as a scene in Breaking Bad, it would have made us laugh. I mean, it's still funny in a lot of ways, but it, 
I mean, but so what? <laughs> you know, we're just, we're so fucking hurt at that point. And we know that this is just the mask so we can see it through that prism. It's a mask, but it's not a full transformation. And you're like, oh, he can't be in a room without noise. Because he has his Bluetooth in the shower. Like, he's at the noise of the shower. He's at the radio turned on really loud. Like, he just, he he can't be alone with his thoughts for even a second. I mean, I really love the breakfast bars. That's that's such a nice touch. That was was (laughs) something uh, my buddy Mike brought a thing full of breakfast bars at the uh, party. (laughs) Because we did theme things. We had Cinnabon, we had chicken. Um, All done. ton of different stuff. I put up little post notes everywhere to symbolize different people and stuff. <laughs> and uh, even when he gets to his office, like he needs the, the chaos of like the, the really busy waiting room. And then, and then you know, ultimately. Even... Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Just the, like, the final line the... is. Sorry. sorry. No, no, no. You're yeah, good. Just you're like going it... before me. Oh, okay. No, just like the only little moment of sounds is like where he's in his office by himself and he's just miserable, even though he's got what he wanted. Like the, the Constitution sign, the, the call, the foam columns. <laughs> Cathedral to justice. Um, yeah. But ultimately, we get him to say the, uh, a line that Chuck says in Chicanery, let justice be done though the heavens fall. Mm-hmm. Which is so much both of their ethos is but you know that that deep down is jimmy becoming saul was the self-fulfilling prophecy by chuck in a lot of ways yeah well if chuck had just like let him work at uh you know hhm like that would have been fine like if just let him do elder law he'd been perfectly happy but like chuck kept like screwing him over on that i mean like, viewing I don't want prism to... oh you're good I just I don't like I don't want you it's like I don't need to have a law degree like slip and Jimmy the law degree and it's like if you just let him do elder law just be on his own corner like you know he'd have been perfectly fine. So really? much of of this show being viewed through the prism of the I mean the final episode is called Saul's Garm but it could be called the Time Machine mm-hmm. and it ultimately as we. uh as we watch it, it, the show is about the roads that could have been taken but weren't. There, mm-hmm. There's so many moments where like Kim could have let go of the Howard situation and not have turned her car around mm-hmm. and just went to go meet, meet with Maine's people, got everything she wanted, stayed at the law, but she was having too much fun. And there, there's a moment where Chuck ultimately could have just teamed with Jimmy, maybe took him under his wing and facilitated him. He'd still have the control. Chuck would have mm-hmm. probably been better for it. And Jimmy, whatever. It was like season one, episode eight, when they first get that sandpepper case. But he makes the choice to use Jimmy's phone to call Howard. Something that put him through a lot of discomfort to do it just to rat fuck his brother. And it, it was very much that, like, well, how can he be in the same place as me? Yeah. It's just. I, he's the guy who you, would take money from the drawer. Like yeah. Like, oh, right. Jimmy took everything from the drawer and everyone was just fine with it. Whereas I had to be perfect. And he just, and Chuck never let well, that go. He blames Jimmy solely for the, 
the death of his father, which is an unfair mm-hmm. thing to look onto anybody. Right. Like, but Chuck, Chuck was is a belief that people just cannot change. Mm-hmm. And even when Jimmy would like help go to his house and be go out of his own way to help him, like it never made a difference. Like Chuck would always yeah, just mourn I mean, everything you over. You watch season one, and, and you can make a case for uh, Jimmy ultimately being uh, an enabler to Chuck's condition. Right. He never really made an effort to try and make Chuck be better. When Hamlin was like, I think he's going to beat this thing. In the first episode, his idea is, no, my brother's going to die afraid of electricity and everything. And it's, honestly, it is in some ways one of the worst things Jimmy's done. But, it, you know, we understand it. Uh, yeah, he, he, liked, he liked being needed. Yeah, and then we... We take a fat jump by the the end of uh, Fun Games, which incredible hour of television, to another incredible hour of television that's weird and unexpected and different in a way that we weren't ready for and is ultimately the shift of uh, where the season ends with uh, Nippy (laughs) on Carol Burnett. Directed by <laughs> Michelle McLaren, who ultimately yeah. is like one of one of the biggest voices in Breaking Bad and one of the best directors. She honestly, there. somebody um, I've been pitching. I want her to have some huge, some like big time action movie. Like give her like whatever the equivalent of she, Commando would be. She you almost know? directed Something Wonder like Woman. But the, I know. The complaint was that there was too much action. Right, and not then enough she, character. And there was like five minutes where she had that cowboy ninja Viking movie with Chris Pratt that like fell apart. Like I want, I just like want her to get like one big feature at bat. I don't even care what it is. Cause I know the action scenes will be amazing. You know, right. Like, she's been on like my short list. Like if it fine, if you're going to give her a star war, give her a star war. If you like something, there's something where she can like go go off. You know what I mean? You could, I mean, we've already said this. I, I, I said this, and we both agreed. I don't even know if we said this before the recording. You could take any of these six episodes and call them the greatest episode of the show, and you could make a right. huge case for Nippy, which makes a lot of the best decisions possible. Because we get that almost Walter White-esque uh, opening to season five where he says, I'll do it myself. Mm-hmm. And we have um, not... Oh my God, Harvey, who plays uh, Jeff. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Pat Healy, who is a terrific actor and just phenomenal. And it gives a different energy to this whole mm-hmm. idea. But but the idea that, you know, you kind of led to believe there'd be like a hail of gunfire. But Jimmy's ultimate revenge is uh, one that involves him taking another sip of something he hasn't done before just like uh how <laughs> um the security guard played by uh oh my gosh jerry jim o'hare jerry jim o'hare uh him getting into the cinnabon and he's like don't tell my wife and it's like i haven't had one of these <laughs> in a long time and he says yeah but every once in a while is okay oh yeah for sure and he takes a little bite at being that con man again pulling mm-hmm. him off a heist and he does it for self-preservation and it's a great plan 
It's a and super great plan. It, I mean, it, just blocking it all out in the middle of the field, getting them to memorize yeah, the, the dirty thousand homage with the <laughs> one Patagonia's. Yeah, it's just so great. Mm-hmm. And just uh, him to like really going into a deep dive to learn about Nebraska football killed me. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> like him, big Bo Pelini's name made me laugh so hard. <laughs> I I know you're more into sports than I am. I'm totally Jimmy in the you know or Gene. Yeah, James. But, and that's why so. I laugh because, like, he like when he tries to like, oh yeah, the the first night, like the defense, oh what terrible, like just like BSing yeah. through. I'm like, I've had that conversation I with people before. Even it's talk about it. It's my favorite. <laughs> and, and... <laughs> and fun, and it's ultimately it shows how resourceful Jimmy is. Where he's like, I'm going to use what's at my disposal instead of up. I have a newspaper. Uh, All I need I, is a newspaper uh, in like eight hours of my shift. I have the fact that we're all going to want coffee. And mm-hmm. I look like the saddest old white 40-year-old man. And, and he ultimately gets a moment where he, he, in the same way that he always does, uses conning someone as a way of telling the truth where you hear him say, like, my brother is dead. My wife left me. You know, all that to distract from it. I do have to quickly shout out the the wonderful montage uh, that Michelle McLaren put together um, has a track from the original Mission Impossible series, Charting My Tune. Things called Mm. Jim's on the Move. Nice. uh, Which is great. I mean, there's anybody who could do a montage with Michelle McLaren. uh, Well, well, copyright-wise was something that they really had to fight for a track from the old fucking mission impossible show. That's when I realized this show is my show for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So great. But yeah, we, we get Jimmy in a place where he could very much let go of this. He had his one moment of reliving that past, uh, even says it to Carol and like that, a happy ending. And we get an episode that real quick. This is one small detail with the heist. The heist that I love is like the the uh, younger younger security guard who just like hates him because he because uh, of what season five, and then they're like, uh, playing, season, like three, playing, yeah. season three they're playing pretend football like uh, in the montage like oh <laughs> whatever that oh yeah that's one of that's my so favorite incredible. that montage is great it has a lot of parallels <laughs> to the uh, the inflatable uh, car deals mm-hmm. in montage in season two mm-hmm. oh also weird. Weird shout out, but uh, oh my gosh, I beg the junior. Great, great oh that God. he was like, he, he's not as much in this half of the season, but great that he was just a regular, yeah, in a very just Ed Begley Jr. role, yeah, and he was great at it. And just like his, like, you know, you know, how solemn he was, like that HHM had to close, and like, you know, how sad he was about what was going on with Howard, and yeah. just like, oh. oh I mean, that's that's such a great thing to just know that Jimmy straight up destroyed everything his brother built. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it has a new name and everything, and it's not mm-hmm. it's not too dissimilar to where the Salamancas ended up, where it's just like, yeah, all, all this was built for nothing. It's so much the point of both shows. Mm-hmm. And then you have the I forget the other guy's name, but for the law firm that Jimmy worked at for a minute, but he was still like the nicest guy. Um, oh, oh! You mean my like number one? If we're doing like uh, 
God, is it the blank check podcast that does like uh, casting rankings or whatever? Uh, yeah. Performance reviews. Like a performance review. Yeah. Top of mine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Schweikart. Thank you, Schweigert. Yeah, he's like, ah, he's like, God, he's, he's still like nice. Like, great. Oh, it's your new name, Jimmy. It's great. Like, he's just like a totally good dude. And he has, yeah, Jimmy has no reason to be nice to Jimmy. No reason to be nice to him, really. Yeah. I mean, he's Jimmy. Oh, Saul. I get mistaken. It's like, Jimmy with my friends. Uh, but we get an episode that is uh, essentially what is the big biggest like uncertainty with the show that mm-hmm. I felt like was, was hit which is like can we do an episode where Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul show up it doesn't just feel like an episode of Breaking Bad that's interrupting the flow of the character of the show and I, the brilliant Tom Schnauz who uh, wrote and directed this episode ultimately and Farms farm please yeah it <laughs> <laughs> It, it ultimately manages to be about Breaking Bad, but not the show Breaking Bad, just ultimately the uh, the cycle that this man mm-hmm. always goes through. The opening where... phone call, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, we don't get the phone call uh, answer until the next episode. But Well, even, not, even before wonderful. he talks to Kim, the beginning of that. Where he's like, so how's it going on? Is a Hubie QB good? Is a Huel fine? <laughs> he's just so desperate one to talk the, to somebody. One of the things that I think Schnau has revealed on Twitter was that uh, Danny, mm-hmm. uh, Daniel Wormhold, the uh, mm-hmm. the squat cobbler guy, is the Danny that runs the laser tag arena, and they Colin Robinson baby because. Yeah, because they were they were trying to get him in. He was in what we do in the shadows, so they couldn't get him to do one scene where he <laughs> buys like a laser tag arena. But that is it's so great. Hey, that's exactly who that character is. What was the name of the shell company? Uh, um, uh, Salt Station Zebra and Associates. Yeah, that that, yeah. Oh wait, wait, wait! <laughs> like, Are you talking about the uh, the one he talks about on the phone? It's like Tiger something. Oh my gosh, Tigerfish, I think. Yeah, it's Tigerfish. It's like, yeah, well, yeah, I got she's... that too. I'm like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> and then he has, mean, to get, he has this rigged thing in the desert to get her her money. And I'm like, that's so cool. <laughs> he has so much money as of this point, And we ultimately mm-hmm. don't see what the phone call is like with Kim. But we know it's mm-hmm. enough to uh, make him relapse. And mm-hmm. the entire episode, like the episodes that follow, are framed with these little little raindrops of moments from the past. And this one is so, so eloquently designed to show that these are decisions that he always makes. Mm -hmm. And he's just going to keep the cycle going of, you know, he, he faces some form of trauma or he has some moment that really hurts him and he feels hurt. And he, uh, he decides to become the worst version of himself. And it's the exact mm-hmm. thing that um, got him, got him past the, turned him into Saul, mm-hmm. ostensibly the Lalo trauma, and then you also have the the gene regression where he is he's committing easily the ugliest heist he's done so far, where he is just picking people that he sees. 
had means that he couldn't get mm-hmm. people that he wants to hate. Like before Buzz. knowing them. Yeah. And drugging <laughs> them. Stealing yeah. all their stuff. It's also funny that Devin Raytray is in a black and white thing set in Nebraska with Bob Odenkirk again. Yep. Um, yeah, that's a that's a nice touch. <laughs> and then you get you get to see that the episode that are called Saul through the framework of Odenkirk making this decision, knowing that it's a bad one, knowing knowing full well that he's just repeating working with another Lalo, but he sees it as an opportunity to make more money than he needs to. And he's even told in a pretty great scene with uh, Jonathan Banks, you know, <laughs> I believe he compares Walter White to, you know, I had Betamax back then. Good, yeah. Good Top of the line. And uh, <laughs> it's just as is uh let it go they ultimately that when he decides to drug this cancer patient leads Mm -hmm. us into the the stunning hour i mean actually we should a moment to talk about the appearances by brian cranston and aaron paul because that it's a good moment to say that it it's a hard thing to do to make mm-hmm. it feel necessary to show them, but I think the uh, just felt nice, yeah. And it never felt like we were in all those scenes. No, exactly, and they did a good job making you believe, like, believe that it was two thousand eight again. And even though, like, fine, they had to put a beanies on them to cover their hair, it's fine. And they felt they slipped right back into their dynamic again. Um, and then when, uh, you know, I Walter mean, Cranston talking- just knows exactly which Walter White he's playing at any given. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, so does Jesse Aaron Paul, being- but Aaron Paul ultimately. His voice is just lowered. Sorry. Well, no, I mean that happens, but like he ha- he was like um, he knew what to call the flask, and it's like okay, like I, this is where they're at in their relationship. Like he, like Jesse's, like more Yo, fo- a little uh, bit more focused, and then but he can do younger, uh, younger, younger Jesse when he's talking to Kim and uh, Waterworks. <laughs> and like oh yeah, like weird funny Jesse. I yeah. miss that Jesse, which is a scene that <laughs> a scene that I was kind of. Uh... I thought Paul was fantastic in that scene. I thought he he ultimately had it. And I thought it was, you know, just a fun, like, thing to posit a, a what if of, like, oh, you know, I mean, it's not really a what if. It's now contextualized throughout the show. But, you know, what if Kim ran into Jesse? Mm-hmm. But, and there are two sides of the same coin. Uh, yeah. And when I, I mean, they're, they're ultimately the discovery of both shows. Well, even yeah. like on a hey, character level, like they're both they're, they're the people that oh, got in too deep. Sorry. No, they're they're the people that got in too deep and like really don't deserve like the hardships that are to come with being attached to these two toxic people. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, everybody sort of was saying the same thing about Jesse as they were saying about Kim. Where it's just so help me God if they kill Jesse, 
Mm-hmm. And, and we see them go through a lot and live <laughs> yeah. past it. Are we going to get an El Camino? That would be cool. I mean, she said she's down, yeah. but I I don't think they're going to do that. Like they're like the way they ended it. It's, like, it. it's a nice, it's a nice bow in the universe. I mean, but it's, we'll get there. It's not like it, I I say this as as you know somebody mm-hmm. who ultimately really likes this movie. It's not like El Camino was that necessary in the first place. No. but it's a good movie. Yeah, and like it was um, cool when it shows the Alaska Airlines. You're like, oh, for a split second, like, is she going to Alaska to meet Jesse? No, that would be weird. <laughs> I also love, I love that uh, that montage in the Breaking Bad episode that uh, you know you where you see the um, what am I trying to say that when when you see him repeat a cycle and regress, and they have that uh, song by the Marquis Tapioca Tundra playing, but like a a rare version of it. It's so good. Yep. It's it's one of the best montages of the entire show. Because it makes you feel so unsettled. Also that transition from the whole dug in the ditch to Jean oh. in black and white. Wonderful chef's kiss. Like that's a top five in the entire Breaking Bad universe shot. And they've had a lot of oh, incredible totally. shots over the last fifteen years. Like Jesus Christ! You're like, wow! I can't believe they keep finding new ways to do this. <laughs> so then we get Waterworks, which is the Kim episode. Ultimately, um, yep the the penultimate yep. episode of the show, and it is uh, it's stunning. It's a great mm-hmm. episode. It's the last hour of this universe that Vince Gilligan will ever direct. Yeah. Funny considering that, like, you know, Vince Gilligan ultimately was not somebody who realized the potential of Kim early on as much as Kim. And mm-hmm. we, we see such a deep exploration into her life, and it's not an action-packed episode at all. But it does have that Gilligan tension. And we, we get mm-hmm. his divorce with uh, Kim, which is one of the Oof. roughest scenes to watch. Because mm-hmm. he puts up that Saul Goodman mask and he uses it to hurt Kim. Yeah, because he's super hurt people. Yeah, yep. and the yep. ball, just bouncing the ball, it's like we can hear you. <laughs> and then we get this almost Cohen Brothers uh, and bouncing the ball as reference to him at the cell phone place. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we get this look at. Kim's life in Florida where she denies, much like Gus, which they were kind of parallel characters for a while. I think I talked in our previous talk about the mirroring of characters, but Mm -hmm. she denies herself any decision to make a choice ever. Yep. She acts super surprised about the She's she's stoked about the new outback they built. She's totally cool with the assessment of the amazing race. Uh, Miracle Whip, which I found to be an absolute crime. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, which is I'm like, oh weirdly, god it's such a subtle reference to a line that hank says in yes. season five of breaking bad with the uh when, miracle when, when mike is not li- mayo that's right when mike's listening to mike's listening to the bug like he's hank's right and miracle whip is garbage and kim's clearly punishing herself and just like they're horrible like they're horrible sex the friends are like just the interactions with, like their neighbors and friends 
and her work friends are like, oof. Ugh, like I, yeah, felt, I it, felt for her. It's something that at, at first when I watched it, I was like, this is a bit broad. It felt like not necessarily, I wouldn't say the worst of the Coens, but like some of the elements that rub against me about the Coens. But sure. seeing her later on in the episode, uh, knowing that this is a punishment that she, uh, the, you know, knowing mm-hmm. that this is a punishment that she created, that she ultimately feels that any decision she makes for herself is going to hurt somebody. She mm-hmm. never pursues the law again in the God, it would be, is it six years yep. since what happened to Howard? Yeah, it's and, six years. Yeah, she works at a at a sprinkler place. And we see that phone conversation where Saul ultimately, just like the, uh, the scene from uh, the, the scene, gosh, what am I trying to say? Just like the scene we see in flashback from the pre-Breaking Bad time, Saul is not getting what he wants out of seeing him again or talking mm-hmm. to him again. And he decides to angrily tell her, oh, well, maybe you should turn yourself in. She fucking does because she's Kim and she's yep. the most interesting character on television in the past <laughs> decade. And she, she goes head on into basically recovery and she you know decides to tell Cheryl straight on what she did in the most Kim way ever which is so cathartic like reading this all written down in the paper mm-hmm. and, and it's and it's so unfun like the way that first when you see it see it in the earlier episodes it looks fun but when you read it on paper you're like oh yeah this is awful like, yeah. and then we get the scene that should win Ray Seahorn the Emmy, where she breaks down and she cries, and oh. it is such a hard scene for any actor to do. It, it's such a scene that could, on its face, like you give it to a lesser hand, mm-hmm. or even a lesser hand on a bum day, especially with the television schedule, just right. breaking down and crying. The catharsis of fucking. Eight years of our lives, but six six mm. seasons of the show. Just stunning. and then she, and then she does it again with Jesse. It's like, is he is he good? When I knew him, he was. And then, like, oh my yeah. god. <clears throat> yeah, and and we ultimately we see these two people passing of the torch or the passing of the cigarette between these mm. two different shows and lives. The, in a lot of ways, that is the uh, the move into Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. But uh, then we go back to Gene, which they they kind of... I'd love to see like just a side-by-side of the two of them because they go on similar paths because mm-hmm. we see Saul ostensibly regress, obviously, after the phone call. But they're both in some ways trying to seek persecution. But Saul would rather go out I, I'll say Saul. I think Saul. We're gonna keep Gene, Jimmy, Sauling yeah. all the mm-hmm. time. Saul ultimately kind of is like, okay, so how can I be busted as just an infamous fucking criminal? 
And he, mm-hmm. there's a scene where he debates bludgeoning almost probably to death with a fucking, with his dog's ashes, a cancer victim, who's the one person who's nice to him. They never have like a bad moment in that conversation. No, and it's clearly him like lashing out against like Walt putting him in that position in the first place because Walt fucked up. Yeah, because yeah, he, owed, he owed the exact same amount of money that Walt had owed initially, mm-hmm. or that Walt would have needed initially. And, he also like, has the Coca Bolo desk. Oh, I know that was such a nice touch, and it is a nice desk, I will say. Um, I loved just the the finding the uh, all the passwords underneath the lamp. That was mm-hmm. funny. And just like him, just like I kept wanting to like scream, get out of the house, like just leave. Like he had a perfect chance to leave. Oh, like now I'm gonna scream. make myself a drink. And then I <laughs> sat, I sat alone and watched it. And it is, it's him trying to do it. And it's, it's such a sloppy plan, mm-hmm. man. It's, it's like, it, it's relapse of it because so much of this show at this point is now about addiction. It's half mm-hmm. the reason why Days of Wine and Roses is sort of like their their table setting for the entire season yep. because that movie mm-hmm. covers addiction so well. Um, but we get that hilarious scene, which, you know, shout out to Pat Healy being recast in a role that um, it, it wasn't like an iconic role or anything, but he gave a different energy to it. And there, there's a level of sympathy that you feel for him. That scene with him in the police car is one of the funniest fucking sayings. Well, the cops being uh, arguing that you can't get good fish tacos in a landlocked state. I'm like, that is so funny. (laughs) Yeah, and his paranoia Mm -hmm. (laughs) about that. And his perfect Gilligan tension and then release. And then... Yep. (laughs) And his perfect Gilligan... Perfect Gilligan, oh, mundane, mundane but funny conversations. Like those, like that's what that staff does really well. Like the Miracle Whip, uh, mayonnaise conversation, the the, land, the fish tacos in Nebraska. Like they're so good at little shit like that. Yeah, and we get we get the like in the last sort of act of this episode, we get that we get Dean feeling his gills. Having mm-hmm. Jeff be like, oh, hey, I need to be bailed out. He starts to really start to feel like he's Saul again. Mm-hmm. And he he really is like, I got away with it. You know, I have that power. And he mm-hmm. calls Marion and he lets something slip. And then you realize the reason why they get somebody as talented as fucking Carol Burnett. As you get such a fucking great scene. Mm-hmm. where we are as scared of Jimmy as we've ever been in the entire show. Yeah. Because he's never been a violent guy. Yeah, and, and I believe somebody in the uh, the Watch podcast, uh, Chris Ryan, I think. Yeah. Either Chris Ryan or Andy Greenwald mentioned how he's framed sort of like a Hitchcock movie with the... Like the, Rope. Yeah, like Rope, exactly. I, I even fucking tweeted about it. It's just so late. Um, but the, uh, the the moment of just his realization, especially of being an elderly citizen, that she, mm-hmm. using the life alert is so perfect. And uh-huh. he, he realizes what he's doing, intimidating her, and runs away. And that, that sort of leads us into the, the main discussion, which is... A finale that I know we're still processing, but man, 
probably the uh, one of the most perfect finales I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And Certainly it's weird... better than Breaking Bad, which I love Breaking Bad's. Yeah, it was a different vibe because like Felina was more like, I'm just going to throw like uh, one quick inning and we're out. Like we're good. Um, uh, just give the people what they want and that's it. And this was more meditative. Um, and because like Granite State and Ozymandias did the most the emotional heavy lifting, whereas Felina was just like, let's give one one last spectacle for the road, which is fine. Yeah, it worked. It worked. I, I mean, it myself. already ended a few times for sure. Right, and this is just like, a, well, here this is the exact mo- this is the exact end of the Walter White story. Whereas this was like meditative and so much closure, like the Marie scene. I was not prepared for that. I was not like, prepared. Oh for my her, god! And I was not no. prepared for the performance that she gave. The uh, they they said that they wanted to get Betsy Brandt to play Marie in season one, just as an X-ray technician who works on Chuck. And um, I can't remember who it was who decided the last minute to say like, "Well, that's just far too distracting. If we bring her in, it's got to be narratively sound." I wasn't right. expecting. To bring her in the finale and have it be like an incredible performance. Yeah, yeah when so you see we... her, she, they, she makes eye contact with him as he's like walking to the room and like, oh wow! Like you can see, like, yeah, she's clearly devastated to see him. And then when she's in the room and she's talking about how she'll never see Hank again, how good a guy Hank was, she's like, oh, yeah, Hank actually was like the hero of Breaking Bad. <laughs> like people forget, I people mean, forget that. I mean, I, I don't want to go scene by scene, but we probably. It, it warrants it. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the final episode of the fucking show. Um, so the entire episode is intercut by these flashbacks that are brilliant, where we have Jimmy asking three, three men that are extremely important to his life, what would they do if they could travel back time? And we mm-hmm. talked about the time machine to begin with. The first one we get is Mike Aaron Trout somewhere between the ending of Bagman and uh, Bad Choice Road. And Mike shows regret for, I mean, Jimmy is completely concerned with money. And Mike <laughs> Berkshire Hathaway. This, <laughs> right? <laughs> the, uh, and Mike says, Mike ultimately has a moment where he's like, I, I would go back and I'd see my son. Then he decides to go a little bit further and he says, you know, when I took my first bribe, Mm-hmm. But there's no way to change that. And he understands the bad choice that he had. And you get Walter. This is, they, they made a comparison to it. It's very Christmas Carol. You have like the ghost of Christmas of Saul's, yeah. past, Saul's past. That Walter White um, in the middle of Granite State, which is such a great area to have mm-hmm. that moment. Yeah. And. Good. Walter is like oh, scientifically impossible, and yeah, it parallels like, oh. really well and with Chuck. As I said, reminder, like, oh yeah, like what was a fucking insufferable prick? Like Jesus, it's just oh, a yeah, question. Especially like, yeah. dude, okay, like, mean, you're like, yeah, you're like, dude, okay, it's just a hypothetical man. <laughs> like, chill. One, like, one touch I really like that that feels like you could intersplice it with Breaking Bad is when Walt mm-hmm. says regrets. Mm-hmm. What what he says is not necessarily what he means because there is a regret that he feels, but he doesn't say it aloud. Where he says mm-hmm. regrets, and then he looks down at his watch that Jesse gave him for his birthday. This is at this yeah. point after he pretty much had them tortured and 
believes him to be dead. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny that, like, Walt's thing is, like, mostly about getting copyright law. Like, suing for copyright law. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> then Jimmy, Jimmy talks about Jimmy talks about his slip and fall scam, and Walt says, like, you know, oh, so you were always this way. Yeah. Which, I feel like I, which, I would never want you for my... You're the last lawyer I would ever want for this. <laughs> I mean, we'll get into kind of the the way that this show zigs where we think it's going to zag. But mm-hmm. ultimately, Jimmy, as a character, is sort of nacho, where he was kind of born into the, the criminal world. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as Jimmy had a father who loved him, much like Nacho did, the world around him and his upbringing ended up making him adapt by becoming a, a pretty good criminal. Yeah. And he kept it going and he liked he was good at it and it made him feel alive. Um, but which made me cry. Um, which Chuck was actually my biggest want for any cameo in the mm-hmm. in the show because he's such an important show. Who he, he's a ghost that looms over the entire back half of this show, right. and it is a controversial character for a lot of people because some people really find him to be insufferable. It's not the fucking point, but and he was, but like you understood you, why. Yeah, he. Uh, Ultimately, Jimmy doesn't really want to have the conversation about regrets with him. Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting because Chuck knows that he... Uh, Chuck believes that Jimmy will never change. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, Jimmy does. And having Chuck be able to ask that question to Jimmy about possibly changing his path and Jimmy firing it back to him being like, well, you've never changed your path. So you don't believe anybody can change. Mm -hmm. It's just, these are all great scenes to look back at. They're all such great fucking quotas to this guy and the journey he's going through in the finale. But if we're just talking about events in the finale um, and summarizing it, some extent we're long-winded but it's fucking we we may actually manage to make it within the time frame of the show Um, there's no time frame (laughs) saul ends up gene ends up like leaving the authorities there's like this period of time where like holy shit is this him on the run again is this him on the run again and then he goes inside a dumpster tries to call the vacuum repairman and loses all of his diamonds and then the cops get him. And the way how he loses his diamonds is pretty funny considering that it is in itself an homage to Marathon Man's diamonds and he loses them the same way that uh, Lawrence Olivier loses his. Oh. Uh, In parallel dumpster with uh, his scrappy ass in season one episode eight where he's in the dumpster is, is so great. And we we see him talk to Marie. Marie yeah. and Betsy Brandt for best guest stars well really really manages to put him on blast 
that, that's not even to mention ends up fucking contacting Bill Oakley to be his co-counsel, which is such a great that's so awesome. appearance. Mm-hmm. Well, when we saw the bench uh, a couple episodes back, or it's like, oh, he's a defense attorney now? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then we see a moment where Saul is able to parallel his inner Walter White and give a confession that incriminates uh, Walter White completely. Mm-hmm. And he, I, I was in servitude with this man. Yep. And, and yeah. you can tell everybody in the room sees through it, especially Marie, who's already dealt with this. Yeah. No, and then, just her, like, just her description of, like, hang, like, you know, go meet his house. Like, like that'll never happen. Like, there's going to be no more laugh for that house ever again. There are three kids. You're like, oh, yeah. Like, it reminds you, hey, like, Saul left a lot of, like, mess in his wake, in the, even during the, just during the Breaking Bad years. Yeah, like, totally. I actually, and, I have a coworker named Nick who's <clears throat> watching the uh, Better Call Saul right now, and it's in season <clears throat> five, and he's never seen an episode of Breaking Bad. Oh, my. And I'm... Yeah, I just he he keeps telling me like, man, I just love Mike so much. I want to know where he ends up. I'm like, but but I told him I was like, man, you're already so far. You might as well get to the end, the halfway point of season six. Watch all Breaking Bad in between there, and then get to the end. And he's like, oh man, that's gonna be crazy. It's like Saul has like four more seasons, which is such a crazy way to like think of it. Yeah. And then saw referencing um, the the prison the prison um like the, the killing and flying and uh, flying overall like the huge oh, prison so massacre smart. yeah and then like, yeah, you can check the date it was October whatever two thousand eight two thousand eight you're like oh wow I mean it like, it all really goes down to the fact that like Walter White somebody who goes out in a blaze of glory and Saul is somebody who used his words as his weapon and this is a courtroom drama for the final episode which you know maybe you could have expected it but you weren't really and then mm-hmm. we have the wheels start to turn when he tries to uh use the death of howard hamlin as bargaining chip and finds out that kim confessed to it and is probably going to get fucked over by the civil lawsuit that cheryl has Mm-hmm. And I feel like that really turns him around. And I love that he, the, the plan that he has is so, so brilliant. Mm-hmm. Where, I mean, brilliant just as far as character development. Where and before that, he gets one team. last in where he gets seven and a half years for everything because he's like, all yeah. I need is one juror. And they're like, I mean, he's he, right. ultimately, he ultimately <laughs> proves himself a great lawyer. Mm-hmm. And that he could have gotten away with it, just like he, you know, he he could have done a lot of things. He could have rat fucked everybody, and then continue. All it would do is continue this cycle. And the past couple episodes were so brilliant in layering this up as a cycle, like yes. him slipping back and out and all this. But instead, he he decides, all right, well, I'm going to find a way to get Kim over here. I'm going to try and get Kim indicted or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then he confesses to every single one of his actions, including Chuck's death. And getting rid of his malpractice. Yeah, getting rid of his malpractice. It's like I took took away the one thing he had left to live for. 
yeah, he shows who he really is and finally is honest in a courtroom mm-hmm. and faces the music. And it, it's he, he's James McGill. He finally he told- has embraced the fact that like my brother's dead. Oh, yeah. Sorry. What she told Walt to do in got- um in, in uh what was it season five episode twelve of Breaking Bad in Granite State. Just walk down there and face yeah. the music. And he yeah. gets to wear the suit one yep. more time and then he records yeah, the name. With the Wayfarer uh yeah. Wayfarer whatever the name of the flight is. That was such a great yeah. touch. It's always mm-hmm. funny when you rewatch Breaking Bad where you realize he's the only one rocking that ribbon up until the mm-hmm. literally his last appearance. Yes. Um, so great. <laughs> and, and for him to put it back on is crazy. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's ultimately sentenced to 86 years for life. And when he goes into prison, any fear he has about, uh, any fear that we have for him in prison and what that would be is uh, numbed down by him being the, the John Dillinger of this area. He's, he's how Walt he would be. People. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant writing. And then you know he's he's baking rolls at, at the prison bakery. He's baking bread, and Kim and him have a cigarette, which parallels the original. And uh, well, you know. one touch I forgot about, like when he's in, when he's still Gene in the uh, holding cell in Omaha, and he sees the thing. Was it on the ceiling? Like my lawyer will get you or whatever. And then oh, he's yeah, like, oh, that was such phone. a great scene. I want my second phone call. Like he... oh, sorry. No, yeah, he punches the door and he like hurts his hand. He's like, all right, that's not me. And he just starts laughing because he's like, oh, I know what I have to do. It was like his first phone his first phone call, by the way. I was I laughed so hard. It's like, hey, so you need to make the schedule by three and then call the call the corporate and say that you need a new manager. Like, what a yeah. what a great what a great manager, honestly, he was a Cinnabon Jane. Underrated I mean, good manager. Yeah, he, he's very. He's got a lot of gus in him on that. <laughs> I know. But, I, I just I, I, that occurred to me. Like, oh, that's exactly something Gus would have done. And Gus does did Gus did do that. He's being treated love, for his bullet wounds. I'm sorry, going to open up tomorrow and close. <laughs> I love both the parallels of uh, of the the episode Crawl Space of Breaking Bad, where he ultimately realizes the joke of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, there's quite a few parallels with that. Um, the the season. Two opening where Saul is locked inside the the garbage room, and mm-hmm. or Gene, a carves in SG was here, mm-hmm. and then ultimately you have him pacing around this room saying, you know, mumbling to himself, feeling like the a the flashback that we see of the time where he's in the vacuum repair room with Walt pacing around, and. Mm-hmm something that Chuck often did was pacing around crazy, you know, losing his mind in this small house. I say small house. That's a pretty great house. Uh, but yeah, anywho. So he's serving 86 years to life. And we ultimately know that he's probably going to get that reduced somehow because he has freed himself of all of his criminal life. He lives as a legend, but he is no longer that man. Right. And he and Kim share a cigarette, which is him breaking the rules again inside mm-hmm. the cell room. 
and he gives her the finger guns. And it, to me, it, it not only felt like her mm-hmm. saying goodbye to him, possibly if she wants to, but us being able to say goodbye to him. Yeah, and her just saying, you know, how the high Jimmy, like that was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we've now had enough time to process it. Um, just a perfect finale. Or if, especially for that show, like it, it felt exactly right. For like, both he shows got, too. He, he got one last moment to be a great lawyer. He got to pull one last con ish by getting him to go to the courtroom so she could hear what he asked, what he has to say. You know. And it was like, it was an act of love in a lot of ways mm-hmm. by him because he was telling his truth and he only wanted to tell her if she was there. Exactly right. If she didn't come, he would have just taken the deal and like that'd been the end of it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and just her the, her going back to see him is because like you know he was willing to unburden himself. Like the whole the whole show was a love story, which is incredible. Yeah, and it certainly didn't start out that way, and they've been smart to do it and. I mean, just talking about the show from a framework of just Mm -hmm. television in general, there's never going to be another show like this. I can't even imagine it. One other show can start off with so much goodwill. Yeah, I know, right? Like the the antithesis of that is House of the Dragon, which is starting off like behind the eight ball. You know, like whereas like better, like it's so funny to think about the because I think I brought this up to you last time. It's like the better the first episode of Better Call Saul is so slow. Like I had a lot of complaints from my friends, like oh my god, this isn't Breaking Bad at all. I'm like no, it's not. It's taking its time. Like it's very deliberate. There's even him in the courtroom slowly walking. Like it's the, slow then, but dependable. The whole show is so oh sure. Slow. I mean oh no, forget, and I I feel like people people lose their minds in the. Uh, the fact that like the first two seasons, the the big conflict that James McGill is dealing with is uh, overcharging of Q-tips uh, at an old folks home. Yep, and this and, and they let the sandpaper case lingers all the way to the end. Like, yeah, which is incredible. Yeah. Like, what other show has the time has the time and patience to do all of that? Well, no show has the luxury to do it, which is oh uh, yeah. A whole and other even, conversation about the yeah. Some of the of shots, show some of the shots that get like in waterworks, and you have the heat coming off the cars when, when we're in Florida. Like that, no other show would get that luxury anymore. Yeah, just to and, show, just to show hot cars. Yeah, or, or uh, I mean, people joke about. Uh, I mean, in our group chat, I, I'll often be like, "Man, that was that was an incredible episode of television." Blah blah, blah. and then like. You're losing your shit over Howard Hamlin making a perfect latte, only for yeah. it to be poured into a thermos. But there's so much character in it. It's mm-hmm. insane how much character there is in it. And it's something uh, that no other show is going to be able to do. And it's it it's not their fault. No other show could do it. But going to fucking miss it is really I, where I we're know. at. I'm- I'm just gonna miss like uh, just Albuquerque, just like even this little stuff like uh, getting in all of those houses, like just seeing just because it feels like a different world from like where I live, you know. And you're like, oh, like that's such a they, everyone every house feels so distinct. Like Howard's house feels d- distinct. Like when he's breaking into the house, it's, it's in Albuquerque, but I know it's Omaha. That's supposed to be Omaha. Just breaking yeah. into all those people's houses, you're like, oh wow! Like you learn so much about those people just by like what's on their shelves. Well, like, it's what, such like, a what, detail show. 
Mm-hmm. It, it's always been a don't sweat. It's never been a don't sweat the details uh, show. It's always been even more detailed than you could ever expect. Even and... when they don't know where it's going, all the details are there to where they can. Like that's why they're able to write. We're able to write themselves into corners so many times because the details are all there. It's like, well, we can take this and apply it here. Well, Breaking Bad is such an easy hook for any audience at this point. Yep. And they only got better at telling that story as they went on. I know some people have conflicts about season five. I still find season five to be incredible television. Oh, no, it's great. Are you kidding? <laughs> I, I know I know people who, I mean, I'm, I'm going to shout him out because I know he's going to listen. Bradley, who uh, <laughs> I believe Breaking Bad is still your favorite show, maybe. Maybe it's this one. I don't know. Not a bad pick. I mean, Bradley, yeah, I'm talking to you directly now at this point. We, we talked earlier this day that you can poke holes in The Godfather, even though you love it. Sure. Um, you can poke holes in anything. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's a superpower that that he has. Uh, mm-hmm. But ultimately, you know, a lot of people felt like, okay, so he gets to redeem himself by being a Nazi hunter, which is not an unfair thing to say, even though it's mm-hmm. not like he cared that they were Nazis. Sure. Care that they stole his formula and worked with Pinkman. Mm-hmm. You know, they killed it. They killed Hank. They stole. His, they stole all his money. Yeah, it, I mean, it's such an uncomplicated finale, and this is anything but that. It is a very complicated finale, and it's fascinating that ultimately, of these three characters that we follow throughout the show, I mean, not the show, but the universe, three. Mm-hmm leads of Walt, Jesse, and Aaron Paul, or Aaron Paul, sorry, and Saul Goodman, <laughs> Jimmy, Gene, James McGill. He's the only one who faced the music. Mm-hmm. Jesse suffered so much that if he went to jail, it, it just wouldn't feel right. And Walt is, is too prideful to fucking go to jail. Right. And, and there is a part that is like, all right, how do we satisfy a show that is that big of a hit? So they ultimately put like six finales in, in the final season. Or I say six, like three finales, arguably, of Breaking and it, Bad. And it all worked. It never felt too, it never felt indulgent. You learn yeah. more and more, which is, it's so, and it's so enriching. Like this man. show ultimately managed to have its Felina tying up loose ends episode as like the beginning of this arc where we're like, all right, so we've tied up the Lalo storyline and all that. They, they managed to have finales for like pretty much every character. Yep. And yep. then everyone, everyone got to, everyone got one last uh, victory lap. Like saw uh, Gus getting his victory lap with the sommelier and immediately like snapping into Gus' face and then he's gone. Mike got I mean, a few extra ones, which is great. Yeah. I mean, even then, this, uh, this final episode doesn't like a last finale as much as it just feels like a perfect quota to it all Mm -hmm. and i yeah it's one of the best finales i've ever seen certainly yeah yeah it's definitely up there i mean like the gold standards are always like the six feet under finale the shield finale uh breaking bad uh your mileage may vary i mean i'm a felina guy some people are anti-felina i'm a pretty big felina guy but i would Ultimately, say the Grant State's my favorite finale of Breaking Bad. Sure. Well, it's the more meditative one. I get that. Yeah, and uh, it's the it's the Peter Gould one. It's the same. It's the reason mm-hmm. why we like this. Hmm. 
Right. I mean, Ozzy Mandias through Felina could just be like one big episode too. Like you get all the three flavors. You get the fall, you get the hard fall, the meditative, and then just the one low the coda, if you will. Yeah. And like this one, I think it's going to take a while before it gets like into the huge conversation of best finales ever. Cause it wasn't explosive the way like the shields finale is explosive or six feet under has is emotionally explosive. I mean, also what TV show can be explosive anymore and get the right you know right but i mean that's like sort of the expectation is like oh well the show's over it needs to go out with fireworks but it's like every show but the first all it kind of did it just not the type not the typical type of fireworks like nobody died it went with the same fireworks that he had always shown since the beginning of the show it just right. it felt right now mm-hmm. ultimately it you sorry we said at the top of the show which show that we consider to be better Mm-hmm. Or at least you told me beforehand that that would be a question that we have. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. No, you're they right. That's the right, the correct other. answer. So they well. they can exist without the other, but like they're so much richer with uh, if you've seen both. I I disagree. I mean, okay. I can't even imagine it, especially these last couple episodes. I mean, you can't view the finale of Saul without having breaking bad in your heart oh, sure. otherwise you're just like yeah, you know all of that and i mean it's the same way that it's it's designed to be seen as a prequel mm-hmm. but it ultimately is one of the uh, it it's a far more complicated experiment to even try and do so it's a greater feat that they managed to end as well as they did, and they did end better than Breaking Bad. So I think I'm just mm-hmm. gonna lean Saul. Um, yeah, even though my favorite episode of television is in Breaking Bad. <laughs> Which Ozzy one? Man is. Oh, Ozzy Man is. Of course, Hands down, yeah, of course. Um, oh yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah, you swayed me. Like, I, it's just so incredible that I Saul never overstayed its welcome, even though like many people thought it would. Like, it's so funny. People were, like, posting initial, like, idea reactions, like, when they announced it in the first place. And you're like, okay, we're, yeah. we're going to follow this. We're going to follow this. And then, like, how are you going to do that? Like, who cares about the lawyer? Like, we get it. And then it's like, this, like nope, actually, you don't. No, it's like, we're going to give you something that you didn't know you wanted. They had... Uh a firm grasp on the story they were telling, even when we didn't know what story they were telling. Right. Like, I, I mean, mean ultimately knew where it would end up, but if anybody were to ask what the finale would probably be, you know, I mean, we weren't expecting this Omaha bit and we weren't really, I mean, we were expecting fun and games, but fun and games ultimately is what the promise of the show was. So the rest, they managed to really have fun with and what they did is they just stuck with the characters and they always they mm-hmm. never did wrong by any of them no and that's it's so it's such an amazing tight like tight rope they walk too because like they get and they gave you like yeah you want Saul Goodman here's Saul Goodman now you and you're like oh I didn't want it this way oh yeah like you just felt like, like oh this sucks like and not, not like it's done poorly but just like oh man like Yo, this is yeah, actually no. This is not what I wanted. I thought I wanted Saul Goodman doing Saul Goodman things, but now in this new context, no thank you. Like, this is sad. In the, in the context of what we thought the show would be, we thought it was mm-hmm. just going to be, okay, so he's Jimmy McGill right now. He turns into Saul in season one, and then we're going to get a bunch of, oh, 
sorry, a bunch <laughs> of criminal cases where I'm, I'm going to say it again, just in case you want to yeah. edit out my yawn or whatever. No. Uh, a bunch of criminal cases and you know high high drinks that go on. Yeah, and we expected nothing but fun and games, and then we actually got fun and games, and we were just like, no, I don't want them to be Saul right now. And even still, even when it gets really bleak, it's still funny. <laughs> like, yeah. That final conversation with Jimmy and Chuck, he's like, no, I gotta go. Someone decided to, like, wave it out in front of a Hobby Lobby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we ultimately... It, it's a far more ambiguous ending or not ambiguous, but you know, there, there is an uncertainty. It's like, will these two ever see each other again? Is he saying goodbye to Kim in general? He's mm-hmm. saying goodbye to us for sure. But you know, what, what is left for them? And it's better to leave that unspoken. I, yeah. I hope they don't feel the need to, and I don't say this as a criticism of it so much, but I hope they don't feel like, they left it on a note that was unfulfilled and they need to ultimately give the answer because it's better to not have that. No, based on the interviews, it seems because like Vince Gilligan's got some secret show that he's shopping to various networks. Uh, Peter mm-hmm. Gould's is there something new he wants to do. And Vince Gilligan's like, it's better to just get out, like uh, get out of the party before you're wearing a lampshade on your head and embarrassing yourself. So I'm, I'm pretty sure they're done with like this world. And if so, I mean, Having two all-timer shows plus a a really solid movie um, <laughs> in the span of fifteen years and none of it ever feels frivolous is a miracle. Like I don't yeah. think any other show could pull that off. Like you know, Thrones is trying that right now, and it's not gonna. And I don't know if it'll, I don't think it'll be that successful. Other shows like you can have spinoffs and stuff, and it doesn't work as well. Like there's always like a slight diminishing returns, you know. And this never did. Yeah, and it ultimately, it did right by its characters. And in the pantheon of the the anti-hero shows, this is a nice ending to those as well. Because right. we, it isn't like Vic Mackey and the Shield so much. It, it's it's just a, it's a very unique ending to a show, but it's one that feels so earned. Hmm. Yeah, the and, shield's a good comparison because it's a, it should have ended that way for Vic, and I'm glad Sean Ryan never was like, ah, I'm gonna do like I'm gonna take like Hulu money and like make a shield movie. Yeah, like we we don't need that anymore. Like we're good. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, it's one of the best finales I've ever seen. Um, question as to whether or not it's the best uh, will go with as long as I process it. Right. I mean, I my my rankings for best finales ever would vacillate depending on like the mood I'm in, you know? Yeah, totally. Because uh, there's, there's other ones where I'm like, oh, like, I mean, if you want like an emotionally gutting one, like Parenthood's finale was incredible or Six Feet Under does that too. Like that's like the biggest example because it shows you every single character until the end. Do, you we, uh, do you ultimately feel that it's a better finale than Felina? Yeah. Yeah. It's like Fel- Felina was fun. Like I got to, I was lucky enough I got to see it at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Um, with like they had a whole Breaking Bad night. Like Vince Gilligan. Oh, you and, did that? Oh, that's awesome. That I got so lucky. Um, I remember and, hearing about that. Oh, dude, awesome. it was it was awesome. <laughs> they had I the mean, Winnebago when I saw there. Felina, oh. oh, that's great. Yeah, when I saw Felina, I was in a room with like fifty other people. 
and we were just all around my TV. And there are people that I, I've not talked to that much since then. <laughs> and it's uh, the more I, I think back that I'm just like, yeah, you could hear a pin drop. And in a lot of ways, I, we watched this, uh, this finale in a similar manner. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, no show is going to be as unique as Breaking Bad's impact. And this show was never going to have the audience that Breaking Bad had. Just due to the nature of how we watch television right now. Yeah, exactly. But God damn, and, was it satisfying. I know. And Saul was able to like still be relevant even when like TV got so jam-packed that like if you take even like it feels like even if you take like a month off in between seasons, you're already like lost to the ether, you know? I mean, you could take... People say, like, man, Saul's so slow, but you remove two episodes out of any episode, any season, and just expect characters to sum up what happened beforehand, and you're just like, wait, who are these characters, and what are they at now? Because they always stay with the character's head. It's a very subtle character study, and it, it ended a subtle character study. Yeah. Uh, I mean... I don't even know that there's there's more to say outside of just sucking its dick even more. Oh, one second. Are you all good? Sorry, one second. I can't hear you anymore. Oh, you can't hear me? Weird. That's weird. Hopefully it doesn't mess with the recording itself. You're you're good. I hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Still can't hear you. What the hell? Yeah. That is annoying. Okay. So maybe on my end? Yeah, I don't know what more to say. Like the Albuquerque, the whole Albuquerque crime universe is over and it feels right. And even I'm sad it's gone. Yeah, I mean, ultimately this was... uh maybe the biggest accomplishment in long-form narrative storytelling uh, mm-hmm. in this medium. Probably. that it, it seems hyperbolic to say so, but 
it all just felt right. Even it, it, even El Camino, which I feel like is uh, sad, like the, the younger child of it mm-hmm. all, you know? Yeah, but even that has a lot of really good stuff in it. And, you know, it yeah, it's... It, it does right by its characters still. Mm-hmm. And it looks great. Like, they all look great. And it's so amazing, like, how unsung, like, Odenkirk's performance has been. Like, in the finale, everyone rightly says, you know, Kim, you know, uh, Rhea Seahorn, Emmys forever. But, like, Odenkirk has been so amazing, like, in so many subtle and large ways, both in the finale and, like, the whole season and series at large. Yeah, he... uh he ultimately, and this is no, no fucking judgment on Brian Cranston because I think Cranston's great, but due to the nature of his character, but also the uh, the nature of the performances, he is a far more gracious uh, mm-hmm. lead. Mm-hmm. So, so many other characters were able to shine alongside him. It's a sketch background, I think that that helped that helped that happen. Oh, for like, sure. Like, just, like, back to, like, him writing for SNL. Like, it's very, like, team-oriented. And, like, Mr. Show was, you know, it's, it's him and Cross, but he's, like, playing off of other people and so on and so forth. Like, he's an ensemble guy through and through. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, we we really, in this last hour, got to see who this guy truly is underneath mm-hmm. it all, underneath the facade and underneath the uh, the addiction to the, the grift. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I where do I I the only I, the only thing they could possibly do would be like where does Kim end up? But like it doesn't matter. Like she's free, whatever wherever she's at, she's free. Yeah, I mean, she's ultimately we know how resourceful and smart she is, and she's going to be working at a place that does what she wanted to do, giving affordable, mm-hmm. great legal representation for people who can't afford it. And mm-hmm. she may be a receptionist for maybe like a year, but we we know that Kim is the, like the best of us. And she's not not gonna do it for the money. Like that's never what it's been about. Yeah, and, and ultimately, that's not really what it 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 hasn't been as much about marker of money for Jimmy. Mm-hmm. I mean, his life has has always been. Uh, how can I get so much money to get me out of this hole? But it was more the feeling of accomplishment, the feeling of uh, being and rich. And ultimately his idea of being rich is like the the Donald Trump idea of like, here, I'm going to sign my signature with a, a gold, uh, a gold permanent marker. Right. Sharpie. Yeah. And it's because that goes back to like, Oh, if I invested like the half a million I had in Berkshire Hathaway, I'd be, what is it? Was there such thing as a trillionaire? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he like he'd never be happy. He he feels like he would be happy because he has a very poor person's idea of what a rich person is like. Mm-hmm. And none of the characters in the entire universe, save for maybe Mike, but even with Mike, it was for his, like for his granddaughter and to like make up for not having a son. Like it's never been about the money for any of them. I mean, we look at his mansion where he is. He's acquired everything in this very fucking. Citizen Kane style opening to the season, and we we notice that you know ultimately it's empty. We look at it disgusted. Yeah, and he's not happy in it. He wakes up miserable. 
And a big thing that I always had thought to myself watching the beginning of the show, watching or the season, watching Kim and Jimmy, uh, you know, live their life and try and scheme Howard. I'm just like, isn't it enough just to? Huel says that. Sit down. Yeah, I mean, Huel is like, uh, you're, you're a lawyer. You make good money. She's a lawyer. She but, makes good money. Like, what are you? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean. My favorite character of the entire show, Huel, uh, summing it up, is too good for this world. I love knowing that he managed to make it through. Yeah, he got to be released and just go to New Orleans and do whatever. I, I do his family. Having, yeah, having a better life. Eat a po' boy. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, this was... Uh, yeah. It, it was a hell of a now ride. What? Exactly, yeah. now what? Like, but that's what okay. That's okay. It ended. It, it didn't ever say it's welcome, and we can always rewatch it. We can always rewatch El Camino. We can always rewatch Breaking Bad, and I really can't wait to see what like Vince Gilligan, Peter Gould, Schnalls, and all of them do next. Because you know, I want to see what they do with the whole blank slate. Yeah, I, I agree. It's uh, at the end. Any rewatch that we have, there's just a lot to see. You just you can just watch it on mute and just like watch the photography and it's, and it's right. like I mean try watching any scene with Howard Hamlin in a previous episode without having that pit in your stomach of what what's to come. Exactly. All right. Where can the good people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Nathan Flynn N A T H A N F L Y N N. Um, you can uh, you can find me on my podcast Mission Impossible. We have not done an episode in so along and we keep saying we're going to i'm literally sitting on a recording of me gushing about top gun maverick uh that i just haven't edited going through a weird period of my life of transitional stuff and i just uh need to find a firm footing and i think my co-host could uh say about the same but uh you can listen to our back catalog of episodes we have like at least 45 up there including interviews with leslie ann warren Paul wow. Hirsch, uh, tons of different people, but uh, it's uh, at I-M-P-O-D-I-B-L-E. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you get podcasts. I'm sure you have another episode when they, they drop the new uh, trailer for Mission Impossible 7 Part 1. Oh, we do have that. Uh, we have an episode, like a little commentary one out there. So if you okay. feel like doing it, you could also binge the old TV show because it's good. And we're, we're going to go through uh, every episode eventually. It's a, it's a real task, though. <laughs> well, we worth it. it right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, worth it, man. Worth I mean, the shit. Yeah. You have yourself a wonderful night. Thank you for talking Saul, Breaking Bad, Vince Gilligan universe with me, man. Anytime. I, uh, I will do it for free, and I am doing it for free, so. <laughs> All right, man. You take care. Yeah, take care. Always a pleasure.